Welcome to the Bullpen Sessions. I'm Patrick Lullis. And I'm Lee Kaplan. And this episode, we are talking with Matthew Halleck. I have known Matthew since high school, and he is a great uh, friend and designer, and he's also the chairman of Center College. Matthew's really important because he helped, he made a commitment to the College Farms College Collaboration Project right out of the gate. From the start, yeah. Nobody knew if the project would, what it was or if it would work, and I was, I'm, I'm always grateful for his support, but also continued collaboration on that project. And I feel like we've talked about it a little bit here, but it is, it is a new play, a playwright, his early career playwright is commissioned to write a play that's going to be developed throughout the academic year by three schools, and those schools are going to, uh, there's going to be rewriting throughout each pro- project, and after each production, a new script goes to the next production, and and uh, and it, they really are signing up for the process, and you'll hear Matt talk about that. Um, but I wanted to invite him on because he's been one of my longest friends, but also because he, I think there's something interesting about the fact that not only is he a working designer and a, and a great collaborator, but he's in, he teaches at a university and leads those opportunities, and I think You'll hear us talk a little bit about it in the episode, but I, a couple of years ago when we did the Bullpen Center live, I wanted to have a session about academia because I think, like, oh, that's a great uh, opportunity to be an artist in academia. And what is that? And only two people signed up. And I thought, I'm not sure. We'll talk about that in the session, but I'm not sure that people understood, like, what that means to be an artist with and a teacher. And... What that life can be like. So it was great to talk to him about that as well as design and artistry. And one of the reasons he is able to do that is early in his career, somebody suggested he go get a graduate degree. And uh, I know that Lee has applied and been accepted to a couple of programs for graduate study in acting and uh, just visited as a university and How's it going? In a way, this journey started with you. Um, when I took advantage of a program that the farm offers, which is the uh, grad workshop that, that you uh, and Scott held uh, back in the fall. I'm going to talk about that for a We do this grad school audition workshop, yeah. and we'll, we do it every fall. And Scott Ellingworth, who, works, uh, who teaches at NYU graduate acting, uh, volunteers his time. And it's a great workshop, and I'm... We've done it four years. I'm very proud that everyone who participated this year got accepted. That's not the measure of success of the program. The measure is sharing information and knowledge and what the experience is. But everyone who participated got accepted into a program. Which That's is very fantastic. Cool. Yeah, and I and I'll say this. I'm like anybody listening right now who's in the New York area or who feels like they might be in the New York area in the fall, um, and you've got an inkling that you want to go to graduate school. This workshop that Patrick and the Farm Theater put on is is invaluable. Um, you get to sit there and talk to people who um, went through the process, who are part of the decision makers in the process, and you just talk very informally about what can be uh, quite a journey. Um, and, it, and it for me, it really prepped me. It was a good, really good way to start, and I'm very grateful that you, that you did that. Um, well, I've been impressed with uh, the thing that you've been doing, because you got accepted into four different programs and really doing the due diligence of going to visit the campuses and talking to the students, talking to the faculty and seeing if it's the right next step for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No pressure to make the decision today on the microphone, but yeah. uh, um, 
what's the experience? What are you thinking? Or what What are you weighing? Actually, it's very funny. It's like, I'll interview you. Yeah, that's uh, cool. It's the beginning part. But what are you weighing when you're making this decision? We talked a couple of weeks ago about um, my solo show and how I brought it down to Savannah. There's momentum behind uh, the show with, with those performances and also with meetings that I've had since. Um, people who actually were in attendance at the Savannah show who, who are very motivated to, to work with me um, in the upcoming academic year to continue to do the show. And so your question about what I'm weighing is very much um, uh, my, the, the momentum I'm carrying with my uh, professional career at the moment with projects that I've created um, against what graduate school would be for me, which as I've learned through this process is immersing myself on a daily basis uh, in an incredible artistic community, no matter which program I, I, I choose, um, and, and, and investing, uh, investing in, in um, relationships, investing in productions, and, um, uh, you know, meeting, a, meeting, a, meeting some, some really wonderful people. Um, and carrying uh, all that I learn back into the professional world uh, a few years a few years later, and that's I think plays to the other thing, which is it is a time commitment. Um, you know, there are some incredible programs out there that offer uh, full tuition waivers and offer assistantships and and financially just do incredible things for artists. Um, and I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of of what these universities and what these programs are doing it's awesome and i think it's great when we listen to the interview what what's great what i'm hearing it's wrestling with is like is today the right moment you know because oh these opportunities are knocking on the door are these opportunities once in a lifetime opportunities are they going to change my life is the grad school what foundations that's going to bring and i think those are all the right questions to ask and we don't just talk about that with matthew but when he talks about what having that degree did for him and what possibility and how it built a life for him. Uh, I think that's really, it's really fascinating. Yeah, he talked about his love for craft. He talked about his love for process. Called back to some of the themes that we've talked about over the over the month, last month or so, which is a feeling of, I don't know, let me jump in with you, let me figure this out with you when he's working with his students. Yeah, so with that, I'm gonna start the conversation with Matthew and we hope you enjoy and play ball. I've wow. known Matthew. We went to we went to high school together. We went to undergrad together. My first job was your fault. <laughs> that is true. My do, first do professional tell. job was his fault. We were sitting in Christine Hannock's apartment in New Paltz, New York, <laughs> and we were looking at Art Search, the newsprint version of Art Search, in the winter of nineteen eighty. Nine? It was... Uh, 90? Yeah, it was 89. Okay. And there was an ad for a directorship at the Kohler Art Center in Sheboygan, Wisconsin for their summer theater program. And that, that he, he, being a much more motivated individual than I was at the time, was like, I'm applying for this. Cool, whatever, fine. Um, and, you know, they've got a TD gig, too. Uh-huh. You ought to apply for that. I got the job, he didn't. And that really began my sort of professional arc because I moved, uh, I did that 
program in Wisconsin. Uh, and it's an amazing place, the Kohler Arts Center. It's uh, wildly supported by the local uh, industry and community, and it's kind of this slightly strange Shangri-La of art, uh, that in international world-class art that happens in this tiny town on, on the shore of Lake Michigan, about an hour north of Milwaukee. So I do my summers there for three years, and in the first two years, I start meeting Chicago and Milwaukee expats who are summering on the shores of Lake Michigan in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And that becomes where I go when I graduate from college. I go down to Milwaukee. And, you know, there was a day when somebody said to me, well, come on down, I'll, I'll introduce you to a couple of people on your day off. And, uh, and oh, and, and the stage manager I work with at one of the companies, I think she's gotten a room in her apartment that she's subletting and... Uh, and uh, we'll just sort of see. So in less, the span of a half an hour, I had an apartment, a car, and two jobs wow. lined up for me at the end of the summer, um, all because I answered a stupid ad with this guy um, that, that winter. It's, so, it's pretty, it's pretty and, amazing. Yeah, and then, so then Milwaukee was my artistic home for four or five years, uh -huh. and I, I freelanced at... I mean, there's a lot of art in Milwaukee. There's a lot of theater. And, and even in the early 90s when this was, you know, I propped for this company or I was an electrician for this company or I painted or I assisted designers just to get more design shops. And, you know, and that let, as careers do, that led to people who led you to places that led you to more people that led you to more places and eventually people that led me to a graduate program. And then my graduate program took me to where I teach now. So. I'm going to ask about that in a second, yeah. but one of the reasons I w wanted to have you in the room actually was to, to talk about the fact of like, I, th I think, you know, the farm is located in New York and, and we cultivate early career artists. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of people think like, oh, I want to go to New York. And I came here and I, I stayed because I had a relationship with the city growing up. My dad had lived here and you know, it's the city I knew, and um, Yankees. Not, and the Yankees. Actually, after my 25 years of living here, it's my home, and the Yankees are part of it. And I, I not actually a joke, you know. No. But I'm not. Uh, I've worked on Broadway, and I've worked off Broadway, but the that wasn't my goal. My goal was to work, mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't like oh, I came here for dreams, for the neon lights shine bright type Perfect. thing, you know. But I came to work where I knew, and one of the things that I'm interested in is, is, and one of the reasons the College Collaboration Project is to get playwrights to go to these other places, is to know that their work can get done outside of New York, and there's job opportunities and, and, and theater-going audiences that are engaged and interested. And so I was really interested in just the simple thing of, like, you made your home in Milwaukee. And when you said Sheboygan, you said a small town. I was kind of curious, do they think they're a small town? Because they have this art center that's a major art center. They're a small town. They know yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's but Milwaukee, you you made a living in, and it was. I'm guessing it was creatively satisfying. It, oh, it was. Uh, I mean, I was in my mid twenties, so I didn't need much, you know. And I was, you know, quite sure I knew more than I ever needed to know to do anything. Right. I was. <laughs> I, I, I was, and I was surely going to teach everybody a whole lot because I was from the East Coast, right? Um, you know, Midwesterners, what the hell do they know? 
but yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I worked with some amazing artists out there, and and you know the bar conversations and the at the tech table conversations and the conversations in the car on the way to and from meetings were you know where you really you know there's this the um, this notion that before you get married the like three week window before you get married you should pay attention because that's when you're actually getting married the ceremony itself you're not even going to remember mm. but th that moment those moments when you're you're committed to doing a thing and you're it's the the gel is starting to set that's when things are really happening working on shows was great but the time around working on the shows taught me so much about what i cared about about um, what kind of stuff I like to do, um, what kind of work environments I valued, what kind of work environments I learned to try to avoid, um, you know, work environments that were good for me and weren't good for me. Um, what? Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, what made you go to? You went to grad school, obviously, to right. elevate something. Did you know you were going to go? Did you go to grad school after working in Milwaukee for four years? Could you said, "Oh, I want to go teach." Somewhere, or was it to take your career to the next? What was your motivation for grad school? I would like to say that it was as well thought out as that question. Um, it was sort of next uh, in, in, in the, the sort of narratives that float around um, uh, and a late, early career person. You hear the, well, when are you going to grad school? You know, you got to go to grad school, right? You got to mm. get a degree. And so, you know, it was part of it was living up to other people's expectations because, well, they must know something. Um, and part of it was I started hanging around with people who were smarter than I was, and I didn't like that very much. I was like, oh, I need to be smarter than I am. I need to know more than I do. Um, and uh, and I was getting tired too. I mean, freelance technical theater work is hard on your body. I mean, my knees were starting to hurt, and I was 27. Hmm. You know, that's not good. Um, so there were, and very little of this was conscious. Right? It was like, well, right. okay, I'll just go do this, because that's what's next. And, uh, and somebody hooked me up with a place to go to grad school. Right? They, uh -huh. it, when, when I talked before about, you know, going to places that hook you up with people, that hook sure. you up with new places, grad school was one of those. It wasn't really... A thought-out thing. It was well. I know this guy, and he runs this program. It's kind of a small program, but they do really good work. Would you like me to set you up with an interview? And I said, sure. And I went and talked to the guy, and he and it looked great. And the guy went, well, you know, we have an opening, and we've got an assistantship. Would you like it? Went, sure. <laughs> and that was sort of how I got into grad school. Was on a like a, a one-day conversation. Um, so I, I, I used to say that I'm really, really blessed in the, in the way that things have just been kind of set in my path for me when I'm ready to have them. Um, and I'm sure that's a massive oversimplification and it's a disservice to somebody's really hard work that wasn't mine. But um, it always, it's always felt like that. You know, a, a lot of times I would uh, sort of jump not knowing quite where the bottom was like, just, just sort of trusting, like, well, it's got to be something down there, you know. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what your just the difference if there is one between the your perspective on grad school before you went in, and then looking back on it now and sort of what your expectations were versus you know what what you what you really got. It sounds like you got a lot of experience, but did did that change dramatically in any in any way? I. Hmm. I think what I expected from grad school was probably a more abstract version of what being a grad student was. Mm -hmm. You know, long hours, late nights, slaving away at a drafting table and, you know, the exacto knife cuts on your fingers from making models and all that stuff. And, you know, and, uh, you know, just sort of this sort of fairy tale version of grad school, if that makes any sense. Mm. Um, and it was some of that, um, but it was, again, more about the people that I worked with and the conversations that I had and how that elevated my craft and my thinking and everything else. I mean, I, and I'm a, I'm a learner who learns best in dialogue. I'm, I'm, I'm not as good off the page as I am face-to-face -face and in listening right? um, uh, and, and conversing back and forth. I, that My brain crackles more in the live moment than it does any other way. So that stuff seems to kick with me more. Um, but, but you asked about that was my expectation and, and then what it... When you look back when on it. When I look it. back on it now, it's... Um, it was a time when I, well, it certainly prepared me technically, as in it gave me a degree that had three letters attached to it that allowed me to get employed doing what I'm doing now, sure. right? Um, but, you know, it and all of the experiences before it are what really prepared me for the job I have, right? I mean, right. I... Um, I'm in a small private liberal arts college with a faculty of three and a staff of four. And so, yes, we have areas of specialization, but we all kind of do everything. You know, the, the analogy is, you know, just look for a place on the rope and you grab hold and pull, yeah. right? You know, everybody can, you know, have your titles, but that's all very well and good. Here's the shovel. Right, here's know. what's got to get done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so coming out of a, a, a background that began in acting, like most theater people, you know, it's like that's where you start with, right? Um, began in acting and then morphed over time to the other rooms in the building um, because I had lots of different places I could make a contribution. Um, that made my role at the, the small liberal arts college uh, better. Um, and I've been there 21 years, so. Yeah, it, uh, and you've been there 20, you went right out of grad school. Right out of grad school, got the job. Got the job. Yeah. And, um, and I was told that one of the reasons I got the job was because I had all these various other things in addition to my, my degree, hmm. right? That I was, that I was going to be able to help out the in the costume shop. Right. You know, talk to students about text and performance, not just about design and technology. I'm really interested in the 21 years of coming out of grad school because I think it seems like you get to do what you love doing 
every day, and it seems it was not maybe an initial plan of why you go to grad school. But I think like, oh, talk about, you know, the outcome of that is you've been somewhere for 21 years sure. making your life as what I will editorialize as an artist in different ways. And yes, you're a, obviously a teacher is part of that job. Mm -hmm. but, it, but, the, but I think of you, also, I think of you as, a, as a designer and an artist and a collaborator, mm -hmm. you know, so... I think I... Uh, I don't have a question. I'm yeah, I'm making gonna, a point. Let me zoom out. <laughs> yeah, let me zoom out a little bit. And, and it's... I have my life in the theater, and then I have my life. And the two are very, very, very deeply intertwined, for sure. which I'm really grateful. Yeah. Um, but the rest of my life is also part of why I have had a successful 21-year teaching career. Because... And again, I'm going to blame you. Because I answered this ad in Art Search in... <laughs> 1913, or whenever that was, <laughs> um, six, right? Um, Back in the day. Exactly. Um, dinosaurs Thespis, strode the earth. Yes. Aeschylus and I were hanging out. <laughs> yeah. The magma was cooling. Um, because, you know, you know, I've sort of jumped from thing to thing to thing to thing and just followed a path that has sometimes been intentional and sometimes been desperation, like, oh, shit, I don't have a thing to do here. I need to go do a thing. Um, and you know, just to sort of be, to feel like I'm being a person who's alive in the way you're supposed to be alive. Like, uh, you know, you get to a point where you go, I can't have my parents paying for stuff anymore. You know, there's that, there's that moment. Um, and sometimes you learn you're wrong, that you actually do still need to have your parents paying for stuff. Um, but so it's, it's, following this trail of crumbs that's laid out for you and then you get a job and in your while you're working at that job you m meet a spouse and you wind up with kids and you have a whole world of uh, colleagues and friends and relationships and a sense of your own geographic community all because I just sort of jumped from thing to thing to thing to thing and it followed a particular path. And, it, you know, it, it gets a little new agey, but, you know, a left turn when there could have been a right turn, everything's different, right? So I, I'm, I'm very lucky that I picked the turns that I picked, you know? Yeah. Because not only do I have an amazing wife and amazing kids and a great job, but my life writ large is an extension of, and, I'm, and here I'm, I want to acknowledge an immense amount of privilege in that I live a life that largely is an extension of my values and beliefs. I get to do things that are in line with what I care about almost all the time. And I almost never need to do something that is in contradiction to those values and beliefs. That's amazing. That's huge. It really is, it's yeah. just huge. Um, you know, I mean, teaching, giving young people the opportunity to have the moment of discovery about small things like I get why you use a one and five eighths drywall screw as opposed to a one and three quarter inch drywall screw. That's yes, that, that's cool. I love craft, right? Um, but having them 
watching their face in the in the middle of a technical rehearsal and they're the student stage manager and they're and when they stop taking instruction from you and when you go to try to give them some they go no no let me try this myself i think i got this a beautiful moment oh man it's gold yeah and you're like all right i'm good so that i mean that, that stuff's just rich and rewarding and that extends also to the service work i do for the college i mean i i do um some sort of some larger administrative projects. You know, uh, colleges have to re-up their um, accreditation every decade or so, and part of that project is a um, part of that process is a, a a quality the development of a quality enhancement plan. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can we can kill any good idea by putting a horrible label on it like that right? the, the QEP but the last time the college did this it, they wanted to do a thing about creative thinking and they asked me to play a leading role in putting that together and so yeah. I got to lead a bunch of my colleagues through a two year exploration about creativity creative thought how it applied to the, the uh, sciences, the social sciences, the humanities, the fine and performing arts in different ways. I mean, that's just, those are great rooms to be in. It's just a lot of fun to have those conversations. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just really lucky that I get to do lots of stuff like that. And work on a sailboat, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's what could be, what could be bad? Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, that was one of the things... Uh, we, you know, we used to do a bullpen session, and one of the reasons I'm so excited that we're trying the podcast is because Lee was one of the two people who signed up when we had the bullpen session about working in academia. My guy. And I thought, there's two people who signed up, and that's because, oh, early career artists who are in New York, who are trying to pursue it professionally, are not thinking, right. oh, well, teaching would be that's what I want to do now. They're like, no, teaching is when I don't want to do what I'm, my dream is. Or it's a loss. Or you're, it's a, you're, you're admitting defeat. I quit. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm done. I'm I couldn't teach. do it. I couldn't do it. I guess I'm going to go teach. And I think that was the, yeah. the, sort of the thinking of like, oh, well, that's not sexy. And also try, and it, or the idea of I had three people coming in from outside of New York to talk about it. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to live in Danville, Kentucky or Ashland, Ohio. Hmm. Or Worcester, Mass, where the three mm-hmm. schools were from. And well, I mean, your decisions got about that's got to be based on a whole raft of stuff. You know, I mean, do you do you Danville, Kentucky, as I sit here in the, the middle of Manhattan, has a whole lot less going on. <laughs> Per square inch than this city does, right? But you have a whole mess more square inches. But I've got a whole mess more square inches to myself if I want them, right? I've got hiking trails and I've got places to take my boat and sure. I've got places to walk the dog and I live a, a block from campus and so I basically live on a park, right? So I mean, I get there's quality of life stuff that ties into it as well, and it's a 90 minute drive to the nearest Lort Theater, which. It can feel like a world away. I mean, 90 minutes away can feel like, oh, God, I don't want to make that drive home tonight. So, I mean, there's it, it works in both directions. Sure. And yet it's funny, you're 90 minutes from Actors Theater of Louisville. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is a destination for people to Absolutely. bring new work. Right. You know, and it's a, a world away. Yeah, that's always, a, that's always a, a weird dynamic in that uh, Louisville as a city... An Actors Theater of Louisville as an entity does not think of itself as of Kentucky. 
Mm. Right? They're part of the national conversation. They're part of the national conversation. They're, uh, uh, they're really happy they're on a border, <laughs> I think. Now they're on a border with Indiana, so let's not get carried away. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, they don't have, they have offended everybody from Indiana. No. Um, so funny. While we're talking about working anywhere but New York, right. there's options. <laughs> don't seriously. Go Bloomington, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, it's funny. That's where the labyrinth is happening right now. In Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah. Oh, except wow. for I say right now, except for it will have happened, but long after, before this airs. Long so. before this yeah. airs. But okay. um, yeah. no, I don't need to go on about it. I was just like thinking, yeah, you're right there. And my next thought is one thing I wanted to mention is you are in. It is a life choice. It is values you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's what you want. But just like in Milwaukee, there was a ton of work. You get to work every day within your value system, which I yes. think is exciting. But the other thing that I'm going to tell Lee that Matthew that Matt gets to do is he leads a study program every other year in Greece. Every he, third. Every, every third year in yeah. Greece about theater history, which is his excuse to get to go to Greece. And every year now, because this is the third, it'll be six trips to New York for professional development. He and I, because of the farm college collaboration program, were invited to go speak at a college in London mm-hmm. and run the Governor's Conference of the Arts. Oh, the, you know, yeah, the, the Kentucky and, Governor's School for the Arts. Which is housed yeah. in this campus, so like it's statewide. All those things yeah. sound interesting, but then the international stuff. But what, what resonated with me was I get to work within the, my value system every day yeah. because when I think of people who are hustling and... You know, I scheduled a workshop that we're doing 11 to 3 because I know that people who work in a bar and a restaurant have to start their shift at 4. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I'll get my actors if I do 11 to 3 because I need young actors to play these roles. And I'm not sure the bar is in their value system, you know. And I think that's it's just exciting yeah. to hear. Yeah. And, and I will say, I think this is worth saying, that it's a value system that I was... I certainly wasn't as aware of when I was 25, oh. right? I mean, I think some of this grows up alongside itself, right? I mean, the, the ability to put yourself professionally in a place where you can lead study abroad courses in Greece and go talk at colleges in London and, um, and do all of the cool stuff that I get to do, I wasn't ready to do that right out of grad school. I mean, I didn't know enough yet, and I, and I wasn't, I hadn't sort of earned the, the, the chips you've got to earn to be allowed to do that kind of thing. So, but, but, but I think just, just to piggyback off that a little bit, Matt, yeah, to say that, that there is something, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier on, and that is that, that you know, the image that I thought of when you were talking about, um, well, this happened, and then, and then you know, the, these two things happened, and I had a car, and suddenly I had a place to live. Uh, the image that came to mind was sort of floating downstream. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 um, you know that that sort of resistance, whatever that resistance of swimming upstream is, goes away. And 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 I, all I could think of was that there is something innate that you were listening to, some little voice you were listening to that was saying, "This is the right place to go." And I think instinctually, I think that's there, um, you know, and, and it, fe- it feels to me like it's just, it's, it's beautiful the way you're describing it, almost mm-hmm. magical in its, in its way. Well, it certainly is. I, I've described it that way in the past. And, and there's, um, I, I wouldn't put intentionality on myself back then. I wouldn't go back and, and say that any of this was particularly intentional, yeah. but I can look at it now and go, 
well, certainly something was guiding me. You know, there's a, I was at a, at a conference where Ann Bogart spoke a, mm. about a dozen years ago, and, and during a Q&A session, uh, somehow or other, she was asked a question, and I don't remember the question, but I do remember the answer. <laughs> and the answer was, we've all got that little voice in our head, and as artists, we ignore it at our peril. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I'm like, that's okay, so well, that's, that's my life. You yeah. know, that's okay. That's what we do, right? And, and, yeah. and, and I, because I knew it, it was one of those sort of crystallization moments where when she said that, I thought, well, I can point out right away a handful of times I have not listened when that voice had said, don't do this. And the karmic and very, uh, corporeal repercussions yeah. are almost instantaneous. It's amazing. You're like, wow. And you run into the telephone pole. I mean, it's like almost right, right away you're like, whoops. So. I'm going to ask about that. Yeah. Because that's one of the questions we have. Can you think of a moment, can you think of a, fail, a failing, what, mm. what failure you've had? And uh, not necessarily looking for like, oh, what did you learn from it? But what, what was it? How did it happen? What telephone poles did you run into? So I was in Milwaukee, and I was uh, I was at the point where I was taking work wherever I could because I was poor, and there was a company that had a, a sort of fledgling dance company that had a space, and they hired me to come in and put in, because they'd hired me to do a couple of other things before and it had gone well. And they asked me to come back and put in some lighting positions in their space to help them with a kind of engineering level architectural thing, thinking, well, this is a guy who knows how to use tools. This is a guy who understands lights. And me being 26, 25 at the time went, oh yeah, I could do that. And I got about <laughs> maybe $1,000 of their money into the job and oh two weeks of my time into the job, and I realized I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do this. And, and this wasn't a thing that you could sort of patch together a solution. I mean, uh -huh. this is stuff that's overhead, and if you hang a light on this and it falls down and hits some kid, you know, game over. Yep. Um, and so I, I went to them, and I said, I don't know how to do this. Wow. And I'm really sorry. And they said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. Because I, I genuinely don't know. Wow. Yeah. And, um, what a moment at, at 20, it, 26. Yeah, it was, yeah. I thought, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, go away now. Um, I, I mean, I kind of had to sort of just go away and regroup. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, um, the ego took a big mm. hit that day. Um, and, uh, and yet yeah, that, that's one that sort of lingers with you, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and I don't know, I mean, certainly the, the, the practical lessons of, well, don't make promises you can't keep. Did it, well, did it linger because you thought two, two things came to mind. One is, oh, I don't know how to do some stuff. I'm not that good. Or did it linger because, oh, I screwed up. Those people will never hire me again. Uh, it lingers because those people counted on me and I let them down. Mm. I mean, that's how I frame it. 
That's, yeah. You know, it, it wasn't about the money and it wasn't about getting rehired. I mean, I think at the time I was already planning a move to another city. So th mm -hmm. that wasn't part of it. Just like these people who I enjoyed working with and who did work that I respected counted on me to do a thing and I let them down. And that, that, was, that was awful. Yeah, because you don't. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to let people down who you hey, who supported you and invested in you and needed something from you. And you just don't want to do that in general. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And it because it's also one of the things that I, I'm also hearing that story going. Yeah, that was also you were 26, and it's. Uh, well, and they couldn't afford to hire a, somebody who right. really knew what they're doing, so they went to me. And everybody's got a little bit of skin in that one, but still, I, I blew it. <laughs> yeah. But I blew it, and in the moment. It's devastating. Oh, it was awful. You know, and it mm. literally because you said your age is exactly half a lifetime ago. Yeah. And you are... And as, I, and as I tell the story, it comes right up. It's, it's wow. right there for you, too. You're like, oh, okay, that's shame. Okay. Yeah. And you're not... But it, it also the shame of it is it's shame and it's real mm -hmm. and we carry it. But also... You move on because you not only 26 years later helping me build a program that we started this conversation about the college collaboration because you signed on for it. You have responsibility. The school lets you come up to New York and you're investing, you know, in the same thing. So people hand over trust to you. So it's mm -hmm. like it doesn't take the mistake doesn't take away everything that you built and you also right. doesn't right. mark your life. These things no. that we think are. Oh, I failed these people. We think, oh, that, that's marked. I'm, I'm crippled. Oh, at the or moment, yeah. I was like, I'm done. I'm done in the business. That, right? that, that is the sense. I mean, I put, put myself in the shoes of an early career artist who, you know, per, per, perhaps listening to us talking right now and is, and, is, and is thinking that perhaps there's been an experience like this. Perhaps there's been a bad review. Perhaps there's been something that has mm -hmm. that feeling of, that's it. I'm done. Um, you know, and to exist in that place is so painful. I, mean, I know, it, and, it, and it's and it's a it's a human thing. I'm sure we've all been there. Mm -hmm. But I but but I think you know to hear to hear this to say okay that happened. I won't forget it, but it's not over. Right. You know, I, that, that, and I'm not here to do the healing part of this either. Yeah. But also, mm -hmm. but the commending the commendable thing you did is to go to somebody and say, I can't Absolutely. do it, yeah. because had you not. Oh God! And <laughs> you hung a pipe that wasn't really built. To was hold, not secure. Was not prepared. Or yeah. you didn't put the right electrical amp. Right. You know, and caused more damage. It's like you saved them something. You you know, yes, you cost them some money and resources, but you saved them so much more by in the middle going, I can't. And I think like, oh, that's that's also that admission is hard because nobody. I'm thinking when I was. 26, I can't imagine me thinking I can't, I, you know, it was, it's funny, I'm like, I'm getting close to direct, at that age, I was getting close to directing a national tour of a musical. I knew that I couldn't sing in the <laughs> musical. I could admit that if the lead actor got sick or something, they weren't putting me on, but that also wasn't my job. So, but I don't think there was anything I would be able to admit that was a job that I couldn't do because of that. It's sort of like what you were saying in Milwaukee, like, I, I have so much to teach them. Like, you think you know all this oh, stuff. Oh, like, genius, what, yeah. What can't I know? I must know how to do this. I'll figure it out. How hard is it? Other people can do it. Well, and, you know, at that age, you're also the, I don't know if it's the same 
from a performance and direction side of the, of the work, but when you're on the production and design side of the work, there's a little bit of a kind of pirating buccaneer spirit to mm. everything you do, mm-hmm. where it's like, we're going to hit the beach and save this show. Come on, <laughs> man, let's go. And uh, do anything. Come on, give me some rope. Um, that, that sort of swagger to the whole thing when you're 25, 26 is part of the identity that you're trying to carry with you. And, and, and I, you know, that experience may have been the beginning of the erosion of that for mm. me, which ultimately leads to hopefully a more mature and, and sophisticated I, look at the world. I, I think it was not, it, it, it was for me maybe only five years ago like, it's not that long ago, where I was realizing certain things weren't my job. <laughs> because when you said that, I thought, right, if there was ever a problem in a production that I was directing, I'm like, well, I'll stay all night. And if you'll oh, stay all night, we'll figure it out. And I was like, you know, if, if Matthew was doing this set and there was a problem with lighting or something, like, the two well, of us will figure it out. Well, how many times at Newpaltz did we stay, uh, stay until <laughs> three in the morning back painting scenery so that right. Mr. Kurt didn't have to do it? So, you know, mm. one of our teachers, and it's like, yeah, because we are in college, and we were the labor, but even if it was our production, like, we also didn't know enough. We didn't know how to get the job done in the hours given, so you stayed longer. Now, and, and in the last couple of years, I'm like, I care, I'm going to push, I'm going to work, but there are certain things that aren't my job because I don't have that expertise, and if that person fell down on it, ultimately... It's their responsibility, and like, there's a certain thing about that that's really healthy. Yes, it's healthy, <laughs> and I think it's good that we all get there, but I also don't want to shortchange what I know can sound like a bit of a romanticized ideal, yeah. but this idea that we are, in fact, we all got skin in the game, and let's just get it done. You know, uh, I, I say uh, to my students sometimes, yeah, I know this is hard, and I know you've got a paper to write, and I know that you've got other things that are going on, but this is the play, man. Come on, we got to get the play done. Uh, and there's something, if, if, if that's a phrase that has meaning for you mm. in like your whole person, all right, we're going we're gonna to be able to do stuff, yeah. you know. I'm in total agreement that we're all in it, but that really, that works when everybody's invested. Everybody. Right. When yes. somebody's not invested, you have to also realize like, oh, right. That's not my weight. I'm gonna. We're all gonna do the best we can, but I also can't force that person. No. And well, I, I don't think it's a thing you can I, instill in someone who's either yeah. well, or they're not ready yet to have it happen for them, right? Because yeah. some, sometimes their 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 attention's just not uh, calibrated to yeah, that, be able to hear that. That must be one of the more difficult... I mean, I, I wonder what, 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 what are the difficult things... I mean, I, you say you're teaching for 21 years. What, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what, what do you find is, is uh, the most sort of difficult, uh, you know, or, or frustrating elements of, 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 of doing all of that? It's changed over time because students change. Sure. Um, you know, so it's not a sort of monolithic answer. Yeah. Um, you know, the... I think, and I want to be careful here because there's sort of yeah. recent things, recent trends in education that I think in another five or ten years we're going to look back on and go, oh no, that wasn't what that was, <laughs> you know. Um, but it, what, there are things that it feels like right now, right? It feels like we've got a little bit of a problem with students' ability to focus. Just like the act of focusing mm-hmm. on anything, mm-hmm. right, is 
um, you know, and we'll we'll blame all the usual suspects. Right. right? Um, Everything comes to mind. That I'm right. sure exactly. all of us in the room. Yeah. Um, but you know, the the uh, just the the human capability of being focused on a thing for a sustained period of time right. in any kind of serious and intense way, which never would have occurred to me right. as a student that focusing was its own discrete craft. It was a thing that you did to do other things. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But now you almost have to go, no, we have to take it apart into even smaller pieces and let's look at this piece. And maybe wow. that's because we're getting better at teaching and we should have been doing that all along. Hmm. I don't Could know. Be. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just a skill that's under more duress before they get to us. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't well, know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a challenge right now. That wasn't, I don't recall being the case when I started in the late 90s. Okay. Um, yeah. And I could be recalling incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and we're always fighting the fight of uh, getting young people who are paying a lot of money to go to a private college. Uh, getting them to free themselves of the intellectual and imaginative hurdles that it takes to imagine themselves as serious artists. Oh, wow. So talk about being a serious artist. What does that mean to get them over that obstacle? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, getting them to understand that you're going to be able to contribute in meaningful ways to the world you're going to inhabit after you graduate if this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And realizing that this is and valuable. It, it's valuable, it is worthwhile, and if it is... Well, it circles back around to what I say about living a life that's anchored in my values or connected to my values. Absolutely. I get to do that, right? I, I, and getting a 19-year-old student to have that idea have any kind of meaning to them is madness to wow. even attempt, Great right? Because yeah. what, what, is, what is living your values at 19? <laughs> I think I probably did live my values at 19, and I'm glad I survived, right? <laughs> um, it, so it, it's... And it does feel a little bit like at 52, I'm still playing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still just screwing around and having fun, because often I am yeah. screwing around and having fun yeah. for a living, you know? You know, I joke that I get paid to play with crayons. Um, yeah. But but getting getting someone to be prepared to imagine themselves as a, a, an artist in, in, a, in a country that is hostile to what we do. I mean, it's not just difficult, it's hostile to what we do. Um, you know, the, and uh, under you know, current, I know this is gonna air later, but under current uh, yep. administrative circumstances, it, it's, we're so far beyond, we need to fund the NEA better. I mean, we're, I mean the hole we're in is so much deeper than that. Um, but you know, you, we were just over in London. It's like, well, so which of the nationally funded theaters are we going oh. to go to tonight? Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that was actually my question coming into that country. The person who takes your passport, they said, "Oh, you're coming. What are you coming for?" And I said, "Oh, I'm speaking at one of the drama schools." Mm. And the, the person stopped and said, "How come theater tickets in America are so expensive?" <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, 
I said it's because you have socialized medicine. Because <laughs> you're communists, yeah. You know, working on it. But, uh, but it was true when you said it. Um, you know, it's interesting about the 50, I, I think the artist conversation is, is great. When you said, oh, I'm, I get to work on my values and things. At what, what happened when, at what point did you know, oh, I'm going to have a career? Besides me pushing you to apply for that job at the John <laughs> Michael Kohler Arts Center yes. in Sheboygan, uh, I, I mean, I'll take credit for your entire post-collegiate life, but <laughs> what event... I did drive you to your New Paltz audition, so I get some of this. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but, uh, but what event or who, can you name something that really felt like somebody or some event, and maybe it's tenure, that gave you the foothold to get to the next level? Yeah. Um, and whatever the next level is, we don't have to define that. Yeah. Uh, well, early on, before grad school, when I was in my Milwaukee phase, uh, there was a designer that I worked with at the Kohler Arts Center, who was one of the people who helped me get a foothold in, in Milwaukee. Um, and he... Was a, he became a mentor and uh, a person who really just took me under his wing. Uh, he brought me on as a design assistant uh, and just sort of taught me stuff because he knew that I worked hard and I cared. Uh, and working with him was one of those. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, learning that I could... That, that the conversations he had in meetings with directors in design meetings and in production meetings, I was like... I could have those conversations. I know how to do that. You know, you know, what he's talking about. I don't necessarily know how to do what he does yet, but I know how to, I know how to talk about it this way. So that that was a moment, right? That was a thing that yeah. I got out of that. Um, my first design in graduate school was my first really big design, because up until then I've been, I had been designing for companies that didn't have any money. And so I wasn't really, I didn't really have the opportunity to flex my muscles as a designer. I didn't have, there weren't the aesthetic tools at my disposal uh, to try to do something. It was all, what can I do with what I have in my garage? I was going to say there's less chance of failure, too, because you pulled a rabbit out of a hat no matter what. And they were ecstatic with everything you gave them. Sure. Right? Um, but the first real big design in grad school, and I didn't screw it up. I was like, oh, that's actually good. How yeah, cool. Yeah, as, <laughs> as, as devastating as the moment earlier we were talking right. about. I mean, this is just the... Like, wow, this is the that's pretty. Yeah. I could... You know, and, sort of, and it was a sort of quiet moment because I arrived at grad school as a guy who came into a design program after being the technician who did some design. But everybody huh. who I worked with was like, dude, you know you're a designer, right? I mean, <laughs> you're, you're, you're solving production problems like a designer solves problems, and you talk about stuff huh. like a designer talks. So you need to go to school to be a designer. Wow. Well, that's also what you learned from your mentor, right. is hearing that and going, oh, I asked those questions. Yeah. I have that. that, that that's I think how like I think a designer. Like yeah. um, so... Doing that first big show and having it come out right, you know, or at least good. You know, I was like, oh. And it was, you know, mistakes galore occurred, but it was, 
at the end, I'm like, that's 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 a thing. There it is on stage, a thing that yeah. I did and it works. How cool! Uh, so that was, you know, that gives you huge confidence going into the next meeting, right? Absolutely. You know, and, sure. and confidence is a drug that is as problematic as any drug, right? Yeah. So you know, you your second show after you've done, or the next show after you've had a really good show. Man, I, I, I would hate to go back and watch a tape of that meeting. Um, but, but you know what I'm saying. But you're, 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 you're building from, on that. Right, right. Coming from a sense of... Yeah. Affirmation's a huge part of giving someone, teaching someone to do a thing because you're giving them freedom to be themselves in the process. Absolutely. Right, and so that, that was... Can you, know, you again, say looking, that again? That you said that so fast, I think you know what you said. What did you say? Affirmation. Crap. Affirmation is a huge part of teaching someone how to do something because it gives them freedom to be themselves in the process. Is that what I said? It yeah, is. Wow. That's great. But I mean, if I, I think, was Oprah right now, I'd say tweetable moment. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally therapy based. Totally. Oh my God. Huge. <laughs> yeah. It's well, it, it, and, 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 it and parenting based too. I mean, sure. the, the, and, and, you know, we could do a whole session on that where you want to talk about how, how being an artist and being a parent are like the same job. Yeah, because you are trying to draw people out into being a, a, a version of themselves in a larger system that they don't know how to be yet. It's, uh, but yeah. with wow. that, but it's great about confirmation. When you said about being the ability to be who they are, one of the things that I'm looking for now when you, you know, your second production might have had confidence, which is great. What do you carry, what do you carry into the room with you now? And maybe it's confidence that you, when you go into a room that you didn't go in the first design meeting you had, but now that you've had 50 or more. I would say the biggest thing is the freedom to not know the answer in the moment. Right. That that's a thing that I have now that I, you know, if the time machine existed, right, I could go back and say to the guy, dude, you don't need to know right now. It's okay that you don't know yet, because you know when you're the designer, you're going into a meeting with the director, and directors look at you like, help me, right? What am I doing? Absolutely. Right. And you know, I go. You know, the, my, my favorite directors to work with are the ones who go, I don't have any fucking idea what we're going to do with this thing, but let's just start talking. Yep. And so let's go. It's yeah. actually a lesson that Patrick taught me. And, and so, you know, but what that then does to us is, and particularly people like me with the, the not very unique anxiety of needing to help the people you care about at all cost, right, mm -hmm. uh, is, mm -hmm. oh, God, I don't know the answer. You know, you get this little flutter of, but now it's just like, yeah, I don't know either. That's a great question. Let's see what we can figure out. That the ability to drop in to just that place and know that you're not failing them in your role as the guy, um, that would be a that's a thing that I bring now. That's it's a huge difference. Now, how do I how do I drop into that place of that is within me that says that allows me to experience things and take them in and process them in a, a, a way that isn't filtered through my ego or through my anxieties or you know, that's just like, oh, okay, well, let me learn this and see where it takes me and trust that it's gonna take me somewhere.
It's an, it's a sense of ownership, isn't it? I mean, it's, 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 um, it feels like it's, it's owning what you've, what you've accomplished. Or and you, allowing yourself to... That's after the fact. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in the moment of the meeting, you know, what, what do I bring into a meeting that I, that I didn't used to be able to? In the moment, what I'm bringing in is a trust that it's going to be okay. And that, that how I work and what I'm capable of is going to produce something End of statement. Right. And today, you know, just a full circle about like, oh, today was the first day of the workshop of the college collaboration where we're going to sit around. And what I say is we're going to ask questions because what we're doing for the playwright is exploration and discovery about what's in the text, what wants to be in the text, what's in there for us to mine. And it's purely the reason it was successful is it's the first day of a year-long journey and its process. And like, if we ever approach, if, if I came today and said, all right, we need, we need to fix this now, you know, because no, we're exploring, we're asking questions, we're discovering, and it's remain, and it's, it's such an exciting, it's always such a great day, uh, having done now well, five of them, but we're doing six this year, but having done five of them, the reason it's my, favorite three days is because it's it's discovery and if I there's a moment when your play is going to open when you're going into tech when you got to make decisions towards a product but if I can remain open as long as possible through the process of discovery then I'm going to then the play is going to be so much richer for that and it's it's that willingness to stay in there and not have to know but be curious yeah, I mean, uh, a, a lot of this for me is driven by things that I started to learn and was sort of be, sort of introduced to in my early mid thirties, uh, and it's all sort of therapy based, recovery based stuff, where you're you're looking at um, being present in a moment without judging. You're looking at you know uh, affirmation as its own discrete thing to do. Um, because it's just a good, you know, large, capital G, good. Um, you know, acts of overt generosity towards others and yourself, you know. And it's, which is another thing that I try to find ways to work into what I teach to my students, which is that being a good artist essentially means being a good person. Hmm. Right? At least the way I define both of those sure. things. Um, but the, I, I find that the skill sets are the, they then almost to a, just like a, a circle, right? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you're, you're, you have an ability to be present in a moment. You have ability to be present for others and yourself simultaneously. You have the ability to be present to an idea that's happening right now and be conscious of how it occupies a place in the larger world. You. you you have a, a relationship with empathy and with compassion and mm. with good works, not just good ideas. Um, you know, I mean, all of that stuff is like that. That applies to both sides very of the much. list. You know, um, and let me be very clear as I'm listening to myself right now, going, I have not mastered any of these things. <laughs> it's a work in progress. Absolutely, um, yeah. but. Um, Circling back around to your earlier question about a challenging thing to teach students, yeah. it's hard to get in the room with some of that stuff sometimes because 
even your own internal critic will go, is that really what you're here mm. to be teaching? Is that really content for the course? And of course it is. You know, and I think sometimes directors have an easier time teaching that stuff than designers do because you have rehearsals, which has a different format and a different vibe where you're just sort of all out on the floor together doing stuff and talking and you're pulling people aside and you've got note sessions. And, but you know, around drafting tables, it, it, you have to sort of manufacture moments to talk about loftier, loftier ideas. Huh. But I think, and, and I could be wrong, but it's, it, my experience has been that actor, actors and directors have more organic moments to talk about such stuff. I think the reason is because we're using the internal emotional life and the action life of the right. individual. Yeah, your medium is already that, in the room with that. Yeah. But what's interesting to me is I always enjoy when I'm going to direct a play, the conversation with designers tend to elevate my thinking about the purpose of the play. And so... Yeah. That work obviously happens because, uh, you know, we're creating a world. Um, you know, we're creating a world together for a reason, and we're all doing the play for a reason. And I think because we, the design team, is responsible for a physical aspect of the world and the director and cohesiveness of it, and the actor is responsible, you know, for their role in it, I think uh, those conversations end up the design director ones being bigger and allow you to be that way. So I, I'm not surprised. I think you're right. It's probably harder teaching it to think of how do I create the environment for that conversation to happen because it's a lot easier as a, when you're trying to talk about why is it important for you to express the fact that you love this individual and your family won't let you, Romeo. Hmm. I will say <laughs> that I, one of the, and, and the reason that it probably didn't come to mind right away is because teaching this particular aspect of the design process is hard to dovetail into the academic calendar, right? Um, or to a syllabus about design, and that's collaboration. Mm -hmm. right? Collaborating, which is more than half the job of being a designer. I mean, you gotta know your architectural and decorative history, and you gotta know how to draft, and you gotta know all that other crap, but you gotta know how to talk to people. And, and that's Probably my greatest skill as a designer is as a collaborator, and and, and that aspect of it uh, is when I when I get to teach students about collaboration, either by taking them with me as design assistants to meetings outside the college, and they you know and where they essentially just observe. You know, oftentimes I'll be driving them to and from the meeting and in the car on the way back, they're like, so when you were talking to her about this, what was that about? Well, it wasn't really about the thing. It was about the other thing, but really we're building relationships because it's a person I haven't worked with before or, or, or that person and I have worked before, but didn't want to feel, make them feel like a third wheel. You know, so you're sort of crafting a relationship and building the family that you build every time you, you do a show. Um, and, and I've, I've, I'm hesitating to say this just because I'm me, um, but it's a, I'm pretty good at being sensitive to those dynamics in a room, um, particularly when I have a sort of leadership role. Um, yeah. And so the ability to um, treat design director relationships like actual relationships that aren't 
clinical in any way. I mean, you're, you're sharing your creative ideas, which is a hugely intimate act. Also, the other thing that you said that I really love, not only get the job done, you bring in, but that every working, try to t treat the working relationship as a real relationship um, because they are. And, you know, Matthew and I, he was in a play when I was a sophomore, or I was a freshman in high school and he was a junior. He was in a play with my brother. But that is not how we became that's not where our relationship formed. Our relationship formed because he, when he, after he graduated, came back to design lights for a play, and I was the only student who showed up and worked for 12 hours focusing and learning on it. But we formed that relationship starting that day. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, we had known each other, and he was a friend of my brother's. And I say that because the same thing we talked about about community and real relationships is, you know, 30-some-odd years later, now we're sitting here having a conversation and it's because it was a real relationship and and I just think that's that's something to recognize as we're wrapping this up is to say when you're working with people you're building relationships some you're going to want to keep but they're all going to last they're all because we're all going to continue on this journey in this career and we're going to work in this field and you're going to see people again and some of them are going to be building 30-year relationships and some of them you're just going to see 30 years from now in another project and be like, hey, you know, but it was, it was great. And I just wanted to thank, not only thank you for being here, but, but when you said the thing about real relationships, I thought, right, you know, Lee and I are doing this together because we worked on a show together because a mutual friend recommended us. And it's like, out of that came a bond, you know? Yeah. So it's cool. Um, thanks, yeah. man. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you, Lee. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you what good? A you feel good? Yeah, I feel all right. Good. Me too. Did a thing. Okay. All right. That was a, it's a great conversation, and I love talking to Matt, obviously. Um, Matt is such a pleasure to talk with. I felt like we could have sat there for hours and hours just, you know, talking about the theater and talking about his love for what he does. And it's fascinating, I forgot, we recorded that the first day of the workshop of Kimberly Bellflower as uh, John Proctor as the villain. Right. And it, on June 3rd, we're doing a reading in New York on the culmination of that project. Oh, so cool. So, uh, which you will be at. Um, yeah. Which was just great to hear the bookend of that, of when we started that interview. And also, I was really struck by, you know, I think about him as an artist, as great as a friend, he's great, he obviously is a caring teacher. I love the idea that when he talked about working in theater as a teacher and as an artist, that it provides him an opportunity to live his values. I also like that he said when he was 19 or whatever, he didn't. He probably lived his values then, and yeah. lucky he survived. But yeah. but but today, living that life, and I think I think when we think about pursuing this dream and all the things we have to do to stay alive and survive. Mm. There's really something to the idea of creating an environment and a life and a support underneath it that allows you to live those values every day. Yeah, and he, and he said he he uh, almost never does something in contradiction to what his values and beliefs are. Um, and when he said that, it was for me, uh, it's just a very touching moment. Every time I go to one of the college collaboration projects and I go to see a production, I think this is so attractive because you're in an idyllic environment immersed in the work and your work is creating theater and creating artists and as he said creating individuals yeah 
getting people to thrive as who, who they are. Yeah, I also have to say, I, I find it so remarkable that you and Matt have known each other for quite some time, that you guys were, I think he said, uh, st stacking chairs or setting up chairs <laughs> at, at, in high school. And, and you, I, you know, I, I have such a, a high uh, regard for the both of you guys and the fact that you've maintained this relationship uh, for the majority of your lives. And, and clearly you're both doing what's in line with your values and beliefs. I think it's awesome, Patrick. I really do. No, it's really nice. And and forever we have, it's funny when we talk, I felt like we almost had a minor debate about like, that's not my job. Well, everybody has to be invested. And it's hilarious yeah. that I, I had to, I have, I took the other side a little bit, but the truth is the reason we're still friends is because we both, we both will stay until three in the morning. We're both doing whatever it takes. We're both setting up the room, so you know, he's, he's here at a workshop for the farm, setting up the room. I'm at Center College doing something there, setting up the room, and it's 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 it is really a joy to like thirty some odd years later to be Please. doing that together. Uh, and it was a really wonderful conversation and open. And I I hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, next episode we're going to talk to Portia. Yeah, a wonderful actress, and she had a lot of fantastic things to say. Here's a little taste of what you'll hear. I took that step and I said, this is it. I'm not going to look back, and I will only make my living by creating. Yeah, I am, uh, I'm so glad that Portia came in and talked to us. She is a, a powerhouse of a talent. She is. And, uh, and, a, and a wonderfully strong person and a great friend. Yeah, so if you're enjoying what you hear and you happen to be listening on iTunes, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star rating and let us know that you're enjoying the podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Bullpen Sessions, on Twitter at Session Bullpen. And you can email us at bullpen at thefarmtheater.org. And we'd love to hear any thoughts you have, things you want to hear, comments about the episodes. And with that, we're out. We're out.